I'm going to introduce our speakers. We have Michelle and Joan and Matt. And we're, we're going to start with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And Linda is going to be reading the 12 steps. Please come forward. Of a reader, I the twelve steps. Um, one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Linda. I'm going to be passing the basket around. And if you will please put on there uh, the name of the person you're addressing, and that will be throughout the whole time we're meeting today. So now I'm going to turn the meeting over to our guest. Yes, we have a timer. Okay. Hi, I'm Matt, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Matt. And, uh, I did a terrible job of scheduling my weekend here because last night we were here till midnight doing the rehearsal for the talent show tonight. Uh, and then we'll be here till midnight tonight uh, doing the talent show. And then my own sponsor talks at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So uh, that's a, for, for a San Diegan, you know, living in a beach town, that's a tough schedule. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. And thank you all for, for coming. And uh, I want to talk about my experience of being sponsored and my experience as a, as a sponsor. Um, I came into OA on March 4th of 2011. Uh, and I've been abstinent since um, October, uh, since August 25th, 2012. So I'm the novice crew here. 
and uh, Joan is our JV crew. Uh, and then Michelle is our varsity crew uh, in, in terms of the, the abstinence time. So I'm just getting this warmed up here. Um, uh, I had a little bit of 12-step experience before coming into OA, so I knew the concept of the steps and I knew the necessity of a sponsor. Um, and my first meeting, uh, there were only six people in the meeting, but one of them was a guy. And so he has been, uh, he became that day and has been ever since my sponsor. Uh, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Because I think if I would have walked into that meeting and not seen another guy, I would have had all the reason I needed to not come back. That's all it would have taken. Um, uh, because the woman who led that meeting, um, uh, uh, through no fault of her own, elicited, elicited nothing but resentment in me. Um, uh, uh, you know, she was a, she was a beautiful uh, young lady uh, who... Uh, uh, you know, struggled with 10 pounds in college and had been abstinent ever since. And during that whole meeting, I thought to myself, honey, I could gain 10 pounds in a weekend. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, uh, but I was really grateful uh, to meet my sponsor that day and come back. And he told me a couple things that very first night um, when I asked him. Number one, uh, he asked me, are you willing to go to any lengths? And so when I said yes, he said, call me at 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, you need to call me at 6, and we need to be done by 6.15 because somebody else calls me at that time. And that's a pattern that he had uh, from 6 to 7 every morning, and that's a pattern that I have, although not from 6 to 7. My pattern is from 7 to 8. And um, uh, he asked me to report my food to him every morning, and he asked me to buy the big book, the AA 12 and 12, the OA 12 and 12, and the OA workbook for the 12 and 12. And so that's how I was sponsored, doing the steps out of the uh, OA workbook and uh, the rest of those uh, uh, texts. And so that's how I, I sponsor. And more importantly, I think most importantly, he told me that night um, that uh, he was my sponsor, not my savior. He wasn't going to tell me what to eat. He wasn't going to tell me who to marry or not marry. He wasn't going to tell me how to spend my money. Um, he had no interest in any of those matters. Um, uh, only interest in working me through the 12 steps. And that was a really, really big deal. Um, and we've been, we've been carrying on that relationship ever since. And uh, for me, um, I think the first time I really felt like this program was going to work for me uh, was when I took my fifth step with him. Um, it was reasonably uh, speedy, I guess. Uh, we, we got to that point just a couple months after we started working the steps. And we did, um, uh, I suppose like a lot of people, I, I took my fifth step in a coffee shop, um, which at first felt a little bit strange because it wasn't so private, you know, and I was talking about all sorts of uncivilized activity. And, uh, and, uh, um, but, you know, it turns out no one else in the, star, in the, in the coffee shop really cares. Um, and he listened for a couple hours and... and uh, and the very first piece of magic, I think, that happened to me in the program was at the end of that fifth step when he just looked at me and he said, you know, that's about normal for one of us. And that was just huge magic for me. And I try to pass that along to everybody I work with today. Um, at the time I took that um, fifth step, I was 46 years old. And, uh, and I told him things that I'd been keeping inside for almost all those 46 years. And my, my relief was... was uh, it was just unbelievable. The fifth step promises really came true to me. We will, we will, uh, um, you know, feel nearer to our creator. And, uh, um, 
And I still feel it today. Just saying that made me feel that, you know. Can you can you go listen over there to be sure I'm not still being broadcast? Okay. Well, but we haven't we haven't changed anything since you just came in to yell at me. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. If you could just. Okay. Thanks. That's okay. You can tell as a as a as an addict and compulsive eater, I have a very thin skin. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, so where was I? Oh yeah. And who's my timer? What do I got? Seriously? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so uh, so I stood up for a year and identified as a sponsor. Nobody came. Then the guys who came were were uh, um, you know let's say. Uh, uh, the chronic types, you know, the slippers and the sliders, and I'm not sure I'm a compulsive overeater, and, you know, you seem like you're not so scary. You know, you're definitely less scary than those guys with 30 years, so, you know, you know let's try you out, and maybe you're the easier, softer way. And I think that was, you know, some of my early sponsorship activities uh, definitely taught me a lot about the, f- the fact that I was trying to be the easier, softer way, you know, which sort of led me into this whole you know, okay, even though my guy says, you know, Matt, you're their sponsor, not your savior. In my mind, I'm thinking, I really got to do something useful for this guy. Um, and, oh, boy, you know, that just leads me down a whole nother road of, of uh, you know, character defects and bad behaviors and people pleasing and, and, and all that business that gets me outside of myself. And as a sponsor, when I get outside of myself, when I try to actually help solve your problem through any mechanism other than pointing you to God and the big book and the steps, um, then I get uncomfortable and I want to eat. <laughs> you know, um, and so as uh, so being a sponsor and sponsoring ineffectively has really taught me a lot about how to create boundaries in my life and keep our focus um, on the higher power, the steps uh, and, and the and the tools of recovery. So um, so I sponsor the way my sponsor sponsors. And that is the big book, the AA 12 and 12, the OA 12 and 12, the workbook, um, a phone call every day except for Saturday when we see each other at the meeting and Sunday when I rest. So, uh, so five days a week of phone calls. And, uh, and I just want to share my experience there. So um, uh, I, I suspect, uh, and if, if you are sponsors, maybe you have the same experience, I suspect there are probably like three times as many guys who call me their sponsor as who actually call me. <laughs> you know? And... and uh, and that's because uh, I keep a list in the back of my 12 and 12 of everybody who's ever asked me to be their sponsor. Um, and every once in a while, if I see him, I'm like, hey, do you still think I'm your sponsor? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and for, mo- for most of them, no. But it taught me a lot about commitment, um, and it makes me call my sponsor more. You know, um, I didn't used to feel bad when the alarm went off at 6 and I went back to bed and didn't call my sponsor. Uh, and I don't feel right about that anymore because I made a commitment to call my sponsor. And, uh, and I, know, I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of a broken commitment. So that's probably made me a better sponsee. Um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the attrition rate. Uh, because I would have thought before becoming a sponsor that I would lose everybody at step four. But it turns out I've never lost anybody at step four or step five. Uh, and I shouldn't say that. It's not personalized. No one's ever walked out. In my experience, thank you, for anyone who started the steps with me, we've always made it through step five. Um, it's six through nine where everybody seems to go away. 
And, uh, and, you know, if I were a betting man at the beginning of this, that's not what I would have bet. Because um, I came in here and all the stories about, um, you know, it took, uh, it took six months for me to find the right notebook and another year to find, for me to find the right pen, you know, to, to do the fourth step. And, uh, and so I, I had guessed that that's where all the attrition would be. Um, but I find that, uh, that the disconnection begins with the, uh, with the look inside at the character defects and really the business of making amends. And for me, um, you know, what that's done is uh, really helped me examine my own behavior around six, seven, eight, and nine uh, to be sure that I'm transmitting something that I have, you know, because that's, uh, you know, that's how I can become effective as a sponsor uh, in the best way possible is simply to, uh, to have the spiritual experience as a result of working the steps and share my experience in working the steps. So I think um, uh, becoming a sponsor put me back into uh, a loop of six, seven, eight, and nine that was been much more intense than the first time I went through. And, uh, uh, and I was able to, you know, I became willing to um, uh, uncover uh, uh, some pretty significant things. And so here's a piece of magic that happens to me as a sponsor. So I had a sponsee once who, uh, uh, well, he was a really intense guy. He was, uh, he scared me. Um, he was like a 28-year-old uh, ex-army. Uh, ex um, you know, I had just come back from fighting, and I don't have any experience. You know, I, you know, uh, you know, I've ceased fighting everything and everybody, right? <laughs> I, have, I have no experience with fighting, um, and I have no experience with post-traumatic disorder, uh, and I have no experience with uh, feeling betrayed by your country. Uh, so all I could do was listen um, and, uh, and point him to the higher power in the steps. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience as a sponsor yourself where, you know, the talking goes on and on and the fifth step goes on and on and you're like, you know, maybe you're daydreaming a little bit. I daydream a little bit sometimes. I'm sure my sponsor didn't. He's a good guy. And, uh, uh, but um, at one point, listening to this fifth step, what I heard clicked me back into reality. It was when he said, well, you know, I bought this car, but I never paid for it. And if you're going to tell me that I have to pay for it as part of my ninth step, I'm going to fire you as a sponsor. And, uh, and I thought to myself, well, okay, that's fine. He's fired me as a sponsor. I don't care. Um, but in that moment, I realized something that I had done. I mean, I, I was three years into program at this point. I had done several fourth steps. But when he declared that with such passion and power, it unlocked something deep inside of my brain that I had done a long time ago where I must have made that same deal with myself, you know, that I'm just never going to look into that part of my brain again, um, you know, because it, it's, it's just not a happy place. And I didn't. I didn't through several fourth steps. So one of the great things for me about being a sponsor is that listening to other people's stories teaches me about myself, finds the weak spots in my character, uh, and brings them to light. Um, let me just talk a little bit about, about firing sponsees and being fired as a sponsor. Um, uh, It's been, my, it's been my experience that uh, several guys have asked me to be their sponsor, um, not called me, and then uh, copped big resentments toward me because I did not chase them down. Um, you know, and, and, you know, a couple of months will go by, and then I'll see, them at a, see him at a meeting, and, uh, you know, he'll say, Matt, you know, you haven't called me. I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't think that was the deal. <laughs> you know, I thought the deal was you call me. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know... Um, it's not my job. I don't think it's my job as a sponsor to, to chase you down and make you work the program. You know, this program, 
as my as my friend Harlan is saying that's next door. This program isn't for people who need it. This program isn't for people who want it. This program is for people who do it. Um, and I can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. So as a sponsor, if you don't call me, I don't call you. You know, if you don't work the steps, I don't set a timeline for you. Um, you know, if uh, if if you say we're going to meet on Saturday uh, at the at the coffee shop, and I show up at the coffee shop, and you don't, that's fine with me because you know I'll bring my own books and I'll do my own writing and I'll fill my time with recovery because um, I don't sponsor to help the other guy get better. You know, I sponsor to help me get better, and I can get better whether the other guy shows up or not. Um, and, you know, it addressed, that's addressed in, in our book, you know, in the chapter Working with Others. And I'm paraphrasing ineffectively. Um, but it says, you know, don't spend your time on the guy that doesn't want it, who isn't working it. Go spend your time with somebody who is. There's plenty of people out there, you know, who want the help and could use the help. And I try to keep that in mind. Um, I don't think that I'm unfriendly, and I don't, I don't try to be unfriendly. Um, um, but I'm not the... Uh, I'm not the police uh, person of someone else's recovery. Um, you know, I've been fired as a sponsor because I didn't pick up the phone. Uh, I've been fired as a sponsor because I suggested something that people didn't like. And that's okay with me. Um, that's okay with me because, uh, uh, you know, my only hope for you or any of you or anybody I sponsor is that you keep coming back. Um, uh, you know, whether you want to do that uh, with me or, or somebody else, that's perfectly fine. So I guess I, I, I'll, it's a little bit early, but I think I want to wrap it up and give my mates a chance to, to talk. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I've had a sponsor since my first day in this program. My sponsor has a sponsor, uh, and I have sponsees. And for me, uh, that network of interdependence and connectedness is absolutely what makes this program real for me on a daily basis, you know, because these are human beings that I'm interacting with on a regular basis. The book, I can, I can, I can pick it up or put it down. The meetings, I can go to or not go to. Um, um, but it's a lot harder to hide out from another human being, especially one who's calling you every morning at 7 o'clock. <laughs> you know, maybe I can skip that call for a day, but I, I can't skip that call more than once because um, uh, that's a wake-up call that I really need in this program. Thanks a lot. My name is Joan. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Joan. Uh, I have to hold it. Okay. How's that? <laughs> um, I love the topic of sponsorship, and I'm never eager to speak in front of a group. I'm always terrified, and I always figure this is going to be the time that God isn't there to give, tell me what to say, and everything goes to hell. Um, with that in mind, when the, when the person called me and asked me if I would do this, when she said the topic was sponsorship face-to-face, -face, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I had to do it. I love sponsorship. I would not be in recovery without it. I can't get over how important being sponsored and sponsoring is. Louder? Okay, sorry. I can be louder. You just have to shout. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't hear the speaker, but... No, the mic doesn't work. It's only for the recording. It's recording. You gotta shout. It's just recording. I'm going to talk louder. It's okay. 
Come on in, everybody. So my name's Joan. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I've been hi, Joan. hi there. I've been coming for um, something. I just counted on both fingers and toes. I've been coming for a little over 25 years to Overeaters Anonymous. I think uh, right around that distance. Um, I have 12 years of abstinence as of a week ago. Um, you can clap. The most I ever had um, when I first got in and, and started working it, like the book says, absolutely as perfectly as I possibly could, I got six years in the sixth token I really shouldn't have counted because I was not in recovery. So then I went out and messed around and tried to do it perfectly and started over with lots of 60-day tokens and 90-day tokens and 30-day tokens, and then I stopped getting tokens, and then I just was a greeter and at the maintainers meeting and, and um, shared one-on-one after meetings and never quite got it together for a very long time, for I don't know how many years, but years. And I was very unhappy, and my marriage got very rocky, and we were both in, in recovery. And um, it's hard when you're lying to your spouse and you're both in recovery. It's hard to live like that. It's hard to have him walk in the room and say, is that on the diet? And say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's on the diet. Nibbling on something I shouldn't be eating and hiding it under the newspaper while I'm reading the morning page. Um, those were the really black times, and they weren't when I first got here. I was on a cloud when I got here. I, I was determined to make this work for me the way my other 12-step program had worked for me. And so... I, um, as I say, tried to do it very perfectly. I, I, I made myself a very strict abstinence, and I put all the things that I knew I'd never be able to give up on it, and um, slowly watched myself destroy myself with it. I mean, I literally criticized myself so hard all the time that I got into horrible self-loathing. Um, I felt different. One of the things I felt, for those of you that have... What Matt's problem was when he was here, where he found someone who was speaking about her 10 pounds and it made him resentful, is I was the lady with the 10 pounds. I mean, I was the one that, that came to this program um, about 20 pounds heavier than I am right now, maybe 25. And the ladies at the front door looked at me and said, why are you here? You're not fat. They were newcomers. I'd been in another 12-step program. I said, don't worry, I belong here. And in we went. I, just, I wasn't going to let anybody get in my way for this. I had found out from another person in my other program that OA really works. And I didn't believe that it worked. I would have been here a long time ago. But the people I knew in OA were what some of us refer to as fat serenity. They were people that were not doing the 12 steps the way they are instructed to do them. Now, that happens. It doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're just as troubled as I am in a different way. I mean, I just restricted and, and dieted every fifth day or went on a fast or did all those stupid things that made my body worse and messed me up. But I was determined not to be fat like my two sisters. Isn't that awful? I mean, but that's what I was doing. I was as sick, I now know, as anybody else. But for years... I felt like a second-class overeater, you know, not really, you know, not really the worst kind. So, therefore, I even contemplated, this is true because I was really sick, I contemplated going out and gaining more weight just because then I'd be accepted because I'm a people pleaser and I need acceptance. I need it like crazy. 
And there were people that I could tell were just discounting anything I said. And I tried to cover it up and not say how many pounds I'd lost. We don't have to do that. I, I tried to, to leave out the stuff that I thought would make people think, judge me. Well, I guess what I was doing when they were talking, judging like crazy, just judging like crazy. So I got well when I stopped judging them. If, if I see something in someone else, it's probably something I need to work on. And I found that out. I found that out here. So what got me here in 12 years of abstinence? My mother had died. I was still binging a year later. And I, I decided the line that my husband used to use uh, to describe what has to happen to an alcoholic before they get in the door of AA. They have to say to themselves, this shit's got to stop. And I had done that with this program. I cried all the way through a banquet I was at the night that I had been 12-stepped by a wonderful woman because I didn't think I'd be able to do this. I thought I was too weak-willed, and I thought I was going to have to be in secret the rest of my life. And at the very first meeting, they had the sponsors in the room stand up. And, and like some of our San Diego meetings, this was a Monday night meeting in Claremont. And there were tons of sponsors in there. That's why the person who took me took me to that meeting, because he knew I'd find a sponsor. And I listened, and they went around the room, and most of them said, my name's so-and-so, and, -so, and I'm, I'm a sponsor, and I have room. And this one girl said, I'm a food sponsor. A food sponsor? Perfect! I've already got the 12 steps, guys. I know how to do this program. Just give me a food sponsor, and I'll be fine. Ha, ha, ha. Because even though this is an addiction to a substance, and even though my other program is an addiction to a person, it's really just the same thing. Substance abuse is substance abuse. Right. It wasn't at all. But I didn't know that. So I worked the steps very diligently, did, a, did this perfect job. And finally, years later, when I had been relapsing so often, I got a sponsor who was one of those people that wears her abstinence like a loose garment. You know, she didn't make it so tight she could not move. She didn't make it that she couldn't have even a little bit of something, or she didn't make it that she had to avoid something that actually was around her all the time and was part of her culture or something. She didn't do that. She made it something she thought she could do 100% of the time. Now, I'm sure what she was thinking was she wasn't going to be as trim as a model. She was going to be healthy. She was going to ask her doctor, is this a good weight for me? And she was going to shoot for that weight. Because that's what I did when I got this sponsor. She said, you are so critical of yourself. You, you critique yourself all the time and you beat yourself up all the time. We've got to go through these steps and look at them as though you are a precious child of God, as one of my friends always says. What? Now, this sounds like I might be able to do some of this. And I did, and I've been abstinent ever since. Now, I don't like to tell people what my abstinence is because I don't want to be judged. But there are times when I call something a, um, a slip. Uh, I usually call it a wake-up call. That's a a wake-up call is when I go too close to the edge of my boundary for my abstinence. I don't need something that I have absolutely sworn off because there's only a couple of things like that. 
But I eat something that is not a good choice, just not a good choice. I might eat too much and get full and kind of say to myself, oh, I feel stuffed. I hate this feeling. That's a wake-up call. That's not you broke your abstinence, start over. Because if I do that, you'll never hear from me and I won't learn. So I sponsor a lot of people. Um, Some of them call me sponsor and I'm never hear from them. I think that was all very true. What I have done since I retired from my government job is I decided God was in charge of how many people I sponsor and which ones call me and which ones don't and whether or not it's a continuous relationship or an only when I'm in crisis relationship. And I let it happen. And I am retired, so I have time. And I'm real good at telling people if I don't have time. The easiest way to tell somebody you don't have time This is really easy. If they're calling you on the phone, just don't answer. If you're in the middle of something, just don't answer. And if they leave a message, I tell them, if you want me to call you back, please state, I really would like it if you could call me back. Otherwise, I'm going to hear what you have to say, think, okay, well, you probably took care of it. Sounds like things are going well, and I'm not going to call you. So I need to hear what you need. Tell me what you need. Now, if I don't hear from somebody for a pretty long time and they've been pretty regular, that's a whole different thing. And I've been going through a really, really tough time the last year, really. But for, for example, my, my next younger sister passed away yesterday. She has been very, very sick with, with breast cancer for a very long time. And I went ahead and signed up for things here with the caveat that I wouldn't be doing anything that somebody else couldn't walk in and do in my place because I knew it was, it was time. Um, I get goosebumps because I'm thinking she died at 6.30 in the morning yesterday and I had to be here to lead a marathon yesterday afternoon and she was in heaven. She was, she was with God and she passed away with her daughter in her arms. I mean, it was, it was so, so much a God thing. She had, she had, she had gone home to Texas and wasn't coming back. She was having a tough time. And she got mad at me. And she said, never mind, I'll be over on the next plane. And I don't care if she was mad. She went straight to her mother's bed. And her mother passed away that, that same day, a couple hours later. I am one of those people that waits to see what God's plan is. I'm learning to pause, to give it a moment. When we were having exchanges by text message, which is what our new generation does, um, I could feel some, some anger. And I just said to myself, okay, God, it's yours. I, you know, it's whatever it has to be. And, um, unfortunately I haven't been able to say anything to her so far because I haven't felt God wanted me to. But what I really am talking about here is I'm talking about sponsors can learn a lot from the people they sponsor. They can learn when to talk. They can learn when to shut up. They can learn when to say, it sounds like you have a problem. It's an experience I haven't had. What resources can you think of that could help you? I don't sit there and say, I know a great attorney, you know, I... You know, I, I, don't, I don't say, oh, I've got the best babysitter in the world. Let me give you her number. I let them tell me if they want help like that. 
And if I have some, I'll, I'll share it. I'm not advising it. But if they say, I don't know who to call or where to go or what to do, I'll, you know, I'll be able to say, well, I know somebody who might know. It's like what you would do with any neighbor or friend who was in trouble. It works. It works beautifully. I take myself as far out of the way as I can. I want to I finish with one thing I really wanted you guys to know, though. This, to me, is very important. As a sponsor, I have made a lot of mistakes. I have hurt people's feelings. I have been so sleepy that I said stuff that wasn't even true. I have lied and then wondered why I did it. Um, I have insulted people. And I have made amends to every single person I've ever sponsored several times. I have called up one of my longtime sponsees in the middle of the night and said, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I wasn't making any sense, was I? I'm really sorry. She said, I wondered where you went. That wasn't you. You know, I'm really, my, my main focus here, the main thing I do in recovery is I be honest with myself and I promise I will be honest with you. That means you call my number and if I don't answer, I might be there. But I haven't got time right now to talk to you. And that's what I do. So you don't have to call me up and think, oh, I'm bothering her. I shouldn't talk to her. It's not my, six, my 15 minute time, whatever. I don't do that. I say, look, I'm responsible for my time. And you do not have to feel that you're interrupting me. And sometimes I pick up the phone because I've got caller ID and it'll say who it is, and I'll say, I really can't talk now. Can you talk at 2 o'clock? Okay, God. And I hang up. You know, I mean, I don't like to leave anybody who needs help without knowing when they can get that help. And most of the time, you guys know what happens, most of the time the problem's solved before I ever get a chance to call them back. Um, I think I also want to say that's about all I have to say. Um, I'm a little more nervous today than yesterday, and... and um, I think the reality of my sister's situation is kind of coming. So thank you very much. Okay, I'm Michelle, compulsive overeater. Hi, I'm from Sacramento, California. Um, so... Uh, not much left to say. I, yeah, I can't. But we did this by years in, in of absence. I've never been like the oldest in the room. So anyway, I've been in uh, Overeaters Anonymous for 16 years, nine months, and been abstinent during that time and the whole time. Not in you know that doesn't mean I've been on a diet because I have not been on a diet for any of that time. Well, that may may not be true. Every so often, I probably think, oh, if I just did this. Anyway, it never works. Um, and I uh, have been maintaining a 55-pound weight loss that, that time. Maintaining the same weight. Holy crap. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's get crap right out there right now. Um, and uh, and um, my, so my top weight was 55 pounds more. My bottom weight was 15 pounds less. Like, would I still like to be at that weight? Yes, but that's, you know, God wants me at a weight that's like about like at the midpoint for my height. So that's a pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so I think that qualifies. Uh, the smartest thing I ever did in OA was within a week of, being, of coming into OA, I got a sponsor. 
And then when that sponsor relapsed and let me go because she didn't feel like she could sponsor me anymore, I felt like I'd lost a lover, you know, because I was so attached to her. Within a week of that, I got another sponsor and I've had that same, lucked out, I've had that sponsor for uh, over 15, 15 years. Um, so that was the smartest, smartest thing I've ever done. It's not something I came to OA to do. I came to OA to lose weight. I didn't, don't even know I came to OA to stop eating. I just know I came, came to lose weight. Um, but I was by far at my bottom. For me, the bottom was being at that weight, being at that lifetime goal weight of 15 pounds less than I weigh right now and still was positive I was fat and still miserably unhappy, probably more unhappy than I was without the food. Um, and so, but I have the symptom of compulsive overeating, which is isolation. And it was, I was incredible. I don't, well, I don't know if that was a symptom or the food was the symptom because I was super shy. I didn't trust people. I had, if I, if people became my friends, I pushed them away way before they could reject me because I was certain that was going to happen. I didn't come from a family where we talk about feelings and I just make quotation marks for the tape. Anyway, tape. <laughs> CD or podcast. Anyway, um, so I was here when we taped. Um, so anyway, so that's my, I didn't come for this, but I came at the bottom and they, people said, get a sponsor. So I got, I got a sponsor. So what I did was I wrote out some questions to answer myself. So like, I'll be like Leslie Stahl or whatever her name is. And then, then, then whoever the criminal is who's being questioned. Um, okay. So how did, how do you pick a sponsor? Um, I listened to the, I, you know, I am someone who likes to follow the rules. Um, and so I knew the rules were f look for someone who has what you want and ask her how he or she is achieving it. At my first pe meeting, two people raised their hands to sponsor. Um, I won't say anything about one of them, but the other one had what I wanted because she talked about, she's really honest about her challenges with food and life. And she talked about the solution and, Unfortunately, the solution wasn't working the step. So I asked her to be my sponsor. Um, I, my very first conversation with her, I said, yes, I'm powerless over food, but my life is not unmanageable. Okay, that was like the first lie out of my mouth to her. But, of course, I didn't really realize it was a lie. Here's the problem with getting someone who talks about working the steps is that's what they have you do. You have to work the steps. And um, and thank God, thank God for that. Um, so... I, uh, they also said, all, both these sponsors that I've had, they said, you can call me anytime, 24-7. Here's the other problem. When you call them, they'll say, well, have you written about it and gotten to your part? They don't say, oh, poor Michelle, go have a bowl of ice cream. Um, they don't say that. So anyway, so that's, um, that's how I pick sponsors, and that's what works for me. I was going to say something at the very beginning, and that was, um, I doubt whether there's you know, we, we always say, this is my story, I'm speaking for me, and I'm not speaking for anybody else, take what you want, leave the rest. When you're talking about sponsorship, that is especially true, because what works for me may not work for you. I mean, I'd like what works for me to work for you, I'm sure it will, but really, I, I, I've heard all sorts of stories about sponsorship, and it, it may not work for you. Um, so the second question I'm going to ask myself, and I, I won't change voices or anything, but it's, it's like, when should, when, when should you start sponsoring? So, um, so here's the thing. So I start working the steps with the sponsor and telling them my darkest secrets. And that was pretty amazing. Like, the fist, like Matt said, the fist step was absolutely amazing. Because not only when I, I, I remember the current sponsor, when I went through the fist step, I, um, 
I told her all the darkest secrets except for one, because that one I wasn't going to tell. It was like in the four step, but I wasn't going to tell her. And then she's a big book thumper, and so she's, we read the we sat in her backyard, and after I was done, we said, "Is your foundation solid? Is it made of, or is it made of sand?" And blah blah blah. Yes, by the way, I do paraphrase from the big book, and I usually get it wrong, but that it works for me. Um, anyway, so I, I so I go. So she goes, "You take an hour by yourself." So I'm, I take my hour. I go, "Oh, shoot!" Um, that's in case my mom's listening to this. Shoot instead of the other word. Anyway, um, and so I called her the next day. I go, "There's something I didn't tell you." She goes, "Okay, well let's get together." I told her, and I thought, "This is it. I'll lose her." She's, she told me the same thing. She told me some stupid thing she did. And the only thing I, reason I didn't tell her was because I was embarrassed. And she just told me, that, you know, told me in detail a story that something she had done. So, so that, was, that was pretty much a miracle. Here's the other thing about the fifth step. My sponsors say, once you've done the fifth step, you need to start sponsoring. Um, I said, oh, no, I can't sponsor. I, you know, I'm an Al Anon. I'll try to save them or whatever it is. Whatever my reasons were, I don't. I'm not good enough. I have nothing to give them. That's all you got. All you need to give them is your experience, strength, and hope, and the steps. Um, and so, um, and then the key, the clincher was, if you want to keep what you have, you have to give it away. So that was it. It was selfish. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to meet with other suffering compulsive overeaters and carry the message. That wasn't it. I would say Bill W., he set up quite a program here because, you know, to keep it, we have to give it away. So you can't, it never, the program never goes away. Well, thank God I did it. Um, so, um, and I, oh God, and I made terrible mistakes on my first few guinea pigs. Um, I let them cross all sorts of boundaries. I said stupid things. I still say stupid things to sponsees. Um, and, and so, but I try not to. Um, so, uh, so the other question I've always had is how many sponsees should I have at a time? And so my, the answer, at first I was, you know, I'd say three. And then now I say as many sponsees as makes me uncomfortable. Like if I feel like I don't have enough time, I need that many sponsees. I need to say I'm to have too many, but not so many that I'm really not available. And so um, because if I, if I say... I'm, I only the ones I can effectively sponsor or whatever it is, then um, I will limit myself. I just will. So if if I feel like maybe I could take another sponsee, I take another sponsee. And yeah, like like these Matt and Joan said, which who I both think are fabulous. And it's too bad Matt's the beginning of Matt's was not taped because that kind of pisses me off. Because a lot of Sacramento people are going to hear this on the tape or the CD or the podcast. Anyway. Um, so, uh, anyway, there, I digress again. Um, so I take, you know, if I feel like I, I uh, don't have time, I take another sponsee. But if really, if I'm not, if I'm trying to set up appointments and we're three months out, then that, that's not very effective. Um, so uh, the next question I have my, my, for myself is, how do I decide whether to say yes to a sponsee? I say, I say yes. I just say yes. If I have time, I say yes. I don't say you're a freak. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do it. I say yes. Um, oh, I know what the, I was going to say about what they said is, is you know, I'll have sponsees who never call. So anyway, so you, that's the other thing about limiting. You may have three people who don't call you. So um, so when I sit down with a sponsee, I, I have sort of the script. It's not written out because now I have quite a, you know, I, I've done it a lot. And so I, the first, first thing I'll do is I say, tell me about yourself. And I'll say, um, 
and if you know, tell me what you're looking for a sponsor. Someone new does not know. Someone who's been around does and has had a sponsor knows. And, um, and then I tell them how I sponsor. And so that's what I'm going to tell you guys. So for me, the number one job of a, a sponsor is to take someone through the steps. And um, I heard, I've been listening to AA tapes, and one guy, he says, you're not raising them. You know, so you don't, you know, you're not, you're not with them all the time. You know, you're really just taking them through the steps. And that's what I mean, and that's what my sponsors have done. So actually, if you don't like anything I've said, just blame my sponsors, um, because I still do it the way they did it. And actually, just like Matt, I do, we do it out of the, um, I tell you, you go read the AA, the big book, the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12. And then um, if it's a brand new sponsee, we, I use the workbook, the questions in the workbook, except for steps four and five. On those steps, I'll, we use the big book or the OA 12 and 12, either one of those methods. Um, and, the, you know, the questions in there are pretty good. If, they, if there's something missing in their own experience, I, um, I'll, I'll ask them to do some more writing. Uh, but so, and they love that. And, and my sponsor did that to me, so it's only fair. Um, and then, um, so, so that's, that's what I do. I, so I sit there and I say, and I do, I get kind of structured at the beginning. I do this because I like structure, and I'll say, we're going to work a step a month. That doesn't mean I'm not available. So the first three steps we probably do within a month. And then the fourth step probably takes, you know, I, we still might get together every month. Um, I tell sponsees that sponsorship is not like a traditional friendship. It's not a back and forth. I'm there for them. Like my, my very first sponsor, she says, the shit flows down. So, you know, you call me with your, your stuff, and I call my sponsor with my stuff. At least at the beginning. It's really not, not so much a back and forth for me. It's I'm there for you. I'm there to give you the steps. And then if I have problems, I call my sponsor. Um, the other thing that's different than a traditional friendship is I may say stuff you don't want to hear. Um, you know, my, if you tell a friend something's happened to you, you know, your husband's terrible, she said, yes, he is. He is terrible. You're right. Um, but, you know, my sponsors say, have you done the writing? Have you done your 10th step? You know, what's your part? You know, they don't say he's a selfish asshole, like I say. They don't need to say it. Anyway, um, oh, God, I hope he doesn't hear this. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's sweet as pie. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm, I'm actually, usually what comes up is I'm the selfish asshole in the, in the writing. Um, I tell sponsees that actually they can call me um, whenever they need to. Um, but I do the same thing as my sponsors. I'll, I'll usually say something that really pisses them off. Like, well, do the writing and call me back in 15 minutes. When my sponsor said that for the very first time, I thought, gee, she not only picked up the phone once, she's going to be available in 15 minutes after I do the writing. I mean, I couldn't believe these people were available for me. I was certain I was going to scare them away. I, I'm certain they were only doing this for some, something. I don't know why they were doing it, but couldn't be, like, love for me. Uh, and to have someone in my life who's, who knows me the way my sponsor knows me for 15 and a half years, I mean, God, that, that is totally a miracle. Uh, in fact, I remember when we hit the year mark, she goes, oh, my God, I've had a relationship with someone for a year. And now, now it's like 15 and a half years. So I don't, it's, it's work. So um, I tell them, if, then I, I tell them too at, this, at the beginning, and this is what I, you know, they don't all do it. I said, call me at least once a week. So just, even if you don't have any problems in the world, just to practice. So some people, some people will call me every day or, or I don't set a time. I don't say call, I don't say you have to call me every day, um, but just at least once a week. Um, just, just to practice calling. 
I'll tell them I am not their program, that they need to go to meetings. They need to go to at least one meeting a week. I actually go to three. three. There have been times where I've gone to way more than that. So, but they've got to go to at least one meeting a week. They need to have a home meeting. They need to be of service, and they need to share at the meeting when they can. So, I, I mean, they don't all do this, but that's what I say. Um, I, um, I tell them um, if, they, if they have a problem with me, with something I've done, um, they need to write about it and call someone else because I'm not, I'm not a healthy person. So um, I, I don't, like, really do all that well with someone, like, ranting and raving at me or telling me how terrible I am. And so I have had someone, like, well, you're my sponsor. Why can't I talk to you? Because you've got to get to your part first and get all the other stuff out of the way. And, and you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not that great with this kind of stuff. So, um, so I tell them that. I said, if they're going to leave me, like, for somebody else, like, that's totally fine with me. Like, often I'm, like, dancing on a table or something when that's happening. But I said, talk to me. Like, that's the mature thing. We're learning how to be in relationships with people. A novel idea. Um, and then I said... Um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, just talk to me. Go ahead and leave, but talk to me. Let's keep a relationship going because I really don't take it personally. I've been told I'm not spiritual enough. Um, I've been told someone else is better. Um, the other thing I tell people is I don't spawn, you know, texting and emailing, it's good for setting up appointments. It's good for saying I'm going to a potluck and I'm not going to eat, but it's not good for... Um, like working the steps or, t- or, ranting, or ranting and raving about someone because there's no interaction. So I have this thing. I don't sponsor via text or email. But, cause pe- but these days people don't like calling. And, but it's so, you know, we use any excuse to hide. And if I could just text and say, you know, I binge tonight or whatever, I would totally choose to do that to not hear what someone has to say. So I don't, I can't, I'm like on this anti-texting emailing thing because it's too easy for me to do that and hide. Um, I'm not anti-texting email because I do text a lot and I do email a lot. God forbid, I mean, I got two, two kids, two adult children, and that's the only way I communicate. Um, but, because they don't, they're not like, they don't like my sponsees. They don't listen. Um, and then what about sponsees who are like already worked with another sponsor? Um, with them, I actually... Um, and I did this. I changed sponsors. And my sponsor said, I want you to start over on the steps. I go, you've got to be kidding. I'm on step nine. And she said, no, I want you to start over. And she goes, you know, if, if for no other reason than to get to know me, for me to get to know you. So I, I do the same thing, and here's why. I don't know how they've worked the steps. I don't know. And I'll, I can guarantee you it never hurts anybody to start over and work the steps. And it does help me to get to know them. Um, and then, um, have I, I like that Matt brought up, have I ever fired a sponsee? Never. I think, you know, I, like I said, my sponsee, my sponsor left. Thank God, you know, she was in relapse. She left away. Even then, I felt like I'd broken up with a lover. So, um, you know, I don't spot fire sponsees. Even if they don't do all that stuff I say I require or expect, even if they don't do that, I'll, I will bug them. I won't bug them to death, but I'll bug them about it. I'll say, how can we get going? Let's set up a time. I mean, I have someone who's, she's been on the eighth step for a year. I mean, th- my poor sponsors, I have a really good memory for details. She goes, it's been since January, huh? I go, no, it's been a year. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I go, that's ridiculous. She goes, well, I can't guarantee I'm going to do it. I said, well, let's set up a date and um, a time, and you make some progress. I, I, have, I have, like, you know, I want something. And, 
anyway, so that's that's what we did. If she shows up in July and that there's nothing done, I don't know what'll happen. I mean, it's in God's hands. Um, do I sponsor men? That's always been a uh, a weird thing for me. Is is I did I used I never did for a long time, and then I, I, there's one guy. He's been in the program a long time. I knew him really well. He was older. I thought I can sponsor him. I can't. I kept I kept thinking this guy has trouble with women, and then I thought, oh no, he doesn't. I'm the one who was uncomfortable with it, so I can't. Um, I'm the one who said, oh, you know what? I can't sponsor men. I didn't know that. Other people may. I know women who do. I know men who sponsor women. I can't. I can't. And that's all that matters to me. Um, and then, like these guys have said, what what have I gotten out of sponsoring? I've gotten. I have heard things from sponsees that I need to be calling my sponsor about. I've gotten to witness the miracle of the program over and over. I've gotten sadness when people have left. I have to assume they're going to come back, that they just need to try a little more food. Um, But I've gotten relationships far beyond my wildest dreams with my sponsees and with my sponsors. And the cool thing is, is I've learned how to be in relationship. You know, when I came here, I was a crappy parent. I was a workaholic. My daughters, they were only seven and nine, and I thought they're being a workaholic was fine. They're better off without me. I mean, I thought that, that badly about myself. So when I came here, I learned how to be a parent. And I do, you know, and when they were teenagers and off of college and now they're in their 20s, it's just like I do what I do when I sponsor. I listen. I don't give advice. I even say, like when things are really bad, I know, I, you know, you got, why don't you try praying? Even though I never really gave them much of a religious foundation, They'll go do, I go, go sit on the cliffs that you see Santa Barbara, you know, and, and just, you know, meditate. I'll say that to them. And, you know, it, sometimes they'll listen. I don't care. Anyway, at least I've said, at least I haven't given them advice. So, um, so I, uh, so I'm, I always wanted to be the kind of mom whose um, kids called them with their problems. And it, sometimes it gets so bad. I'm all, why are they always calling me? So, um, you know, this is, uh, uh, you know, far, far beyond what I ever thought was available to me. Um, and so, and now I love sponsoring, even though at first I didn't, now I absolutely love it. Cause I got a newcomer now, she's like on fire and it's, I absolutely love it. So I'm going to stop now. Thanks. So I'm Matt, I'm still a compulsive overeater. Hey, and, uh, I picked up a few questions, so I'll answer them and then, uh, the ladies will do the same. Um, here's one. Uh, when a sponsee is, oops, oops. When a sponsee is hurting deeply or in trauma, um, how do I witness this and how do I respond? Um, you know, certainly the the intimacy that I've been able to build uh, as a sponsor, particularly with other men, you know, which is just a brand brand new thing in my life, um, it exposes me to. Um, some significant pains and troubles that other people have. And it's a real gift when people decide to share something like that. And um, the best way I know to respond when people do share is just to simply let them know that I heard them and I appreciate what they shared and then ask nothing more than, is there anything I can do? Um, Occasionally I make a mistake and I say, it's going to be okay. And uh, that's a huge mistake for me because I have no idea what some other guy's version of okay is. You know, it might be, I kill her, (laughs) you know. Uh, It might be, who knows what, Um, you know. So, so, uh, uh, you know, I've learned through through some difficult lessons that 
if I ask, is there anything I can do, 99% of the time the answer is, no, thanks for listening. And the other 1% of the time the response is so inappropriate that I'm able to just draw a boundary. Um, so hopefully I answered that question well. Here are two that are related, and uh, Michelle just talked about it a bit. Um, have you ever let go of a sponsee who doesn't follow suggestions? Do you think it's a good idea to let people go? I've never done it. I need experience, not opinion. What sorts of behaviors or missing behaviors help you understand that it's time to let a sponsee go? Uh, so let me just share my experience. Um, and I'll bucket sponsees into three buckets. There's the bucket of, of guys who asked me to be their sponsor and who never call. So I don't need to fire them because they don't take any of my time. Um, you know, there's, um, there's uh, uh, another group of sponsees um, who, who call occasionally but maybe don't work the steps so aggressively. Um, and, you know, for me, as long as they're still showing up, as long as they're still calling once in a while, I got no reason to sponsor that guy because he wants to be ready. He's just not quite ready. Um, and, you know, and that's a guy who I would hope, uh, you know, the, the magic would come for. Um, you know, then uh, I've had a couple of guys who, um, uh, who not only uh, haven't worked, wanted to, chosen to work the steps with me, but do things like, and you may have experienced this with some of your sponsees, do things like try to upsell me on their personal coaching business or, um, you know, some venture that they're interested in or some, some nonsense. And, uh, um, and so what I found, to be honest, I've never actually had to fire a sponsee, but what I've found is that when I work with sponsees like that, if I just set a boundary and declare what I'm comfortable and not comfortable talking about or doing, uh, they tend to just go away, you know, because in response to a boundary, they've just, they've just bounced off the wall and gone somewhere else, uh, you know. So, so uh, um, that's my own experience. Um, that setting a boundary is, can be an effective uh, way to fire somebody without without actually saying the words. The last one I'll address here is, um, how do I figure out when, would be, when I would be consistently available for a phone call? So let me just describe how I set up my phone calls. Not the one to my sponsor, but the ones from my sponsees. And I don't know about you as compulsive overeaters, but for me, uh, my morning time compulsive overeating was a great way to recover from the drinking binge of the night before. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, you know, I had a habit uh, of, uh, you know, having two or three breakfasts before I got to work in the morning, and that was after the breakfast I ate at home with my family. So, um, so I take calls during my drive time because um, I fill my drive time uh, with, with, uh, with those calls so that I'm not going through the drive through And uh, it doesn't take me an hour to get to work, but I'll just drive in circles for an hour or I'll park down by the beach or I'll do something. And if I'm not going to work, which, which for a while now I haven't, been doing, being, uh, being between gigs, um, you know, it still fills up my morning time. So for me, filling up my morning time um, is really important. But that doesn't mean I'm consistently available, and I don't, I don't personally uh, let the, the pursuit of perfection stand in the way of any progress. Um, you know, if I thought to myself, I can only schedule you for a call if I knew that between now and eternity I would be available for that call, you know, I'd have a, I've, I would have a good reason never to make a commitment. Um, so, uh, so it doesn't matter to me if I'm always available and it doesn't matter to me if you're always available. Um, life happens, please. But how often do you ask Monday through Friday. How, the question was, how often do I ask sponsees to call me? And, uh, and I do what was done for me, uh, uh, which is, uh, 
at least if they're local and in the same time zone, you know, Monday, Monday through Friday. And then we see each other at meetings on Saturdays uh, or otherwise during the week. But that doesn't mean it always happens. Um, I've, I've yet to have a sponsee who called every day for, you know, even two weeks. But that's okay. Like I said earlier, when, uh, you know, I'm always available for that call. So when the sponsee doesn't call, that's when I pick up, um, you know, my For Today book or I do my – right now I'm working through the workbook in For Today. So, you know, I'll just do my workbook writing uh, in the empty 15 minutes if somebody doesn't call. All right, I'm going to pass it over, and maybe I'll cycle back if there's more time. Hi, I'm Joan, compulsive overeater again. This is neat. I'm learning a lot more than I'm teaching. This is fun. Um, I'm going to start with a hard one. When you have a sponsee that still wants to think of her program as a diet, what suggestions do you have to change that? That is a tough one. Um, I would not try to change it. I would meet her where she is. When I was new, the first time I got abstinent, I told you, the first six years I tried to do it so perfectly, I was counting calories, watching every... I was scared I was going to gain weight. That's what I was scared of. I liked being skinny. It was sicker than hell, but that's what it was. I have always loathed my body. And if it was really skinny, I felt good. So for me, I needed to get past that on my own. I couldn't have been talked out of it. I might have been talked right out of OA. I, I just try to sponsor by example. I tell them what I do. I don't count calories. I don't restrict. I do try to make sure that I don't feel deprived. So I deliberately decorate my sugar-free jello with some, something to sprinkle on it. I mean, I do things because it makes me feel like I deserve to be treated well. Dieting is not about treating some, your body well. It's about hurting you. It's about making you suffer. It's about depriving. That's not what OA is about. And I would try to, to teach that more by having them do what I do. I got to say something about firing a sponsor. The only time I fired a sponsor, I didn't really fire her in the, in the sense that we, we, she and I believed it. She's here today, still in OA, and what happened was I finally realized I loved her very much and I was enabling. I was letting her hang on to me. She wasn't getting it. She was having a tough, tough time. And so I said, you know what? I've got to tell you, I've taught you everything I know. And I think you should consider finding someone else to work with and see if that shakes your program up a bit. And she's here. I mean, I, this has been years ago, and she's here, and she's really happy to be here, and we are dear friends. But I just told the truth. I think I've got, I've, I've said all the words, all the ways I know how to say them, that's all. Quick question, do you believe in te a temporary sponsorship? Not only do I, I do it all the time. I don't know this person. They just walk up and say, you say you're a sponsor, have you got room, and away we go. So I say yes. But I say, would it be all right with you if we did it on a temporary basis? Let's say for 90 days. And then at the end of 90 days, we get to tell each other if we think this is, is working well for both of us. And I write it down, and I keep track, and I say, hey, it's been almost 90 days. How are you doing? What do you think? Are we, are we compatible? 
And sometimes it's so obvious we're not because we can't even get on the phone at the same time. I mean, it just isn't working, you know? So it's, I, I love temporary sponsorship. What is the difference in the quality of life when you are sponsoring and when you are not sponsoring? Oh, God, you, you know. I mean, sponsoring is the scariest, most wonderful thing I ever did in my life. I knew I would be terrible. I knew I would not be able to help anybody. Um, I was very discouraged. I, thank God, didn't have anybody tell me I had to start sponsoring after step five. Whoo, boy, that must be new around here. Uh, um, but, but I do feel that... I just lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, sponsor or not sponsoring. Not sponsoring makes me lonely. I walk around the house thing, saying things to myself like, oh, nobody loves me, nobody calls. I'm so lonely I could cry. I do because, I mean, I'm living alone now. And I, and I tell you what, I just think, I, little songs go through my head saying, really, there's no messages on the phone. Oh, well, nobody cares, you know. Um, another one. This one is a note which doesn't have a question, but I think I want to address it anyway. It says, my sponsor, quote, dumped me after a year of regular contact and deep sharing. I wasn't listening to her advice, following, and kept slipping. I haven't been able to get another sponsor. Oh, I have heard that so many times. That is, it's the damn disease. I mean, you just, you can get... You can get stuck in a trench somewhere, and you, you can't get out of it. Um, if the question is, should I find another sponsor, or do I need help with my resentment toward the one that fired me, of course. Um, I keep slipping and haven't been able to get another sponsor. Um, I have a phrase I like to use. It's called, gotta wanna. I stole it from Orange County. They used to say it. They had a they had a team of women's softball team, and they used to say "gotta wanna" across the back. Uh, you gotta wanna win. You gotta decide you're worth it, and I can't do that for you. I I wish I could sprinkle some magic dust on you and make you decide you absolutely are gonna help this shit stop for sure this time and be as determined as any person can be and get lots of help and use lots of the tools, lots of the phone calls, lots of the materials, everything that you possibly can. I don't know how you give that to somebody. I think you just keep telling them to keep praying for the willingness. Thank you. How often do I have my sponsees call you? Depends on how new they are or how long they've been around. Um, so it varies from person to person. Imagine that. They're all individuals. They have different abilities and they have different schedules and different time. Um, the new ones, I usually pick somewhere between two days a week and every day. The ones that have been around forever, I call them once in a while if I haven't heard from them and say, hey, why don't you check in? And I have a lot of people who say in a text, just checking in, I'm doing great. How are you? And that's fine for me. So I've been, I've been doing this a long time, and I have people that go back in Al-Anon 25 years, 35 years. So because of that, I don't really have a, a cut plan that, uh, that I do. I do like to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, even though I'm retired. So I have a couple people that call me on their way to work or call me before they leave the house, and they have their days. And I usually tell them, 
You can have Tuesday and Thursday, but don't call at that time on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because I have someone else. Thanks. Hi, this is Michelle again, um, and that's for, that's for the non-tape. Um, so I, some of those questions reminded me of stuff I uh, meant to say and didn't, so that's kind of cool. This thing about um, when do you resign or fire a sponsee, and I said, well, I never do. I never do. But there have been times where I've said, you know, this is all I can give you. You may want to go find someone else. Um, I, you know, I don't, I can't help you anymore. Or, you know, once it gets to that point. So, you know, it, it's everybody's different. So I don't have like a pat answer that you got. I've, I told them at the beginning what I expect and how I sponsor. And I will remind them of that. And I said, is that, does that work for you? And they'll say, yes, 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 yes. So I'll remind them of that. So like I said, I have a terrible memory for details. I mean, which I mean is a good memory and they don't like that, but I do. Um, the other thing is the, the thing about, I can't find a sponsor. Um, when I, I say this all the time, and I usually like to say it in front of my sponsor, um, don't wait for the perfect sponsor. Don't wait. There is not, because there is not a perfect sponsor. You know, don't wait for the sponsor who's married and have kids. My sponsor's not married and she doesn't have kids. She's never been married and never had kids. But what does she do? She gets me into the steps. She'll talk. You know, she'll talk about the steps. She'll also say, I don't have experience in that. Call someone else. So with her encouragement, I have, I have a shitload of stealth sponsors. I stole the word stealth from someone else. I mean, like a friend of mine, there has not been an original thought in OA in 40 years. We steal it all. So, um, but uh, I have stealth sponsors. Some of them don't even know they are my sponsors. So if I have stuff going on in my marriage or stuff going on with my kids, I got other people I call. I still do the steps with them. I still do the 10th step. I read it to them. Um, and so just don't wait for that perfect sponsor because, God, you know, there's a re- you know, one person I remember early on, you know, I had some betr- uh, earlier marriage when I first got here. I had some betrayal and someone said, call blah, blah, blah. If I said her name, you might even know her because she's absolutely fabulous. She's been in the program a long time. I said, oh, my God, I can't call her. And, this, you know, I was brand new. And they said, why? Well, she's been in the program for 10 years. And so well, go ahead and call her. So I called her, and I told her the story. And she goes, there's a reason we keep coming back, meaning she's not the healthiest person in the world. None of us are. So just don't wait for the perfect sponsor. I just need someone who's going to take me through the steps. Um, so that, those were the things that were triggered by those questions. Um, so one question, um, do you believe the way you were sponsored is the way you pass it on? Um, yes. So that's the way I do it. <laughs> and that's the way these guys seem like they do it too. So um, I do learn some things as I go along, but most of it, I still sponsor the way, I was, uh, the way I've been sponsored. Um, this question was a good one. Do you ever get resentments from sponsoring and what do you do about them? I, that's the thing, you know, my, when I said, no, I can't sponsor to my sponsor, when she said I should sponsor, she said, she says, what do you do if you don't, if you have a problem? I said, I don't know. She said, you call me. So if I have, you know, a challenge with someone I'm sponsoring, I, I do the 10 step and I call my sponsor and then I may even call someone else and I don't talk about, you know, I don't, I try not to say names, but you know what? My sponsor is, um, someone I trust and Oh my God! I've become someone who can be trusted. I mean, that's that's an that's a miracle, um, and so that's what I do. Um, 
how do you prevent sponsorees from dumping on you? I, I, I tell them when they do this, uh, actually my current ones don't do it as much, but I've had sponsees that just, I'm just, I go, they'll, I let them talk for a little while. I go, okay, you, have you done a 10 step? No. Well, go do the 10 step and call me back in 15 minutes. I mean, does that sound familiar? That's what my sponsor did to me. And then, the, no, I'm just calling to vent. And I said, well, I'm not good with venting. I'm just not good. I'm not that, you know, I'll say I'm just not that patient with venting. And, and you're my sponsor. I go, I take you to the steps. That's what I do. And if you're not willing to do it, go call someone else. So anyway, so that's what I do. I had to learn how to set boundaries. I mean, I've had people cross boundaries all the time. And so I've had to learn how to do it. Still, still definitely a work in progress. A little teeny bit of progress and a lot more ahead. Um, so I guess I'll answer uh, this question that was asked. So it, they, uh, it's um, someone who's been in the program a long time and lost weight and struggling and where and what do I do to get started again? I mean, you know, I've had people have been in the program for a long time. I've had people who have been in the program longer than me ask, ask me to sponsor them. And, and um, the answer is in the steps for me. We just start working the steps. Um, you know, I do talk to people when I first start sponsoring them about abstinence and their, and their plan of eating. Um, I don't have people call their food into me every day. I've, I just think it's too distracting um, in terms of our uh, relationship. Um, all we end up doing is talking about the food. <laughs> and, and that's not, I don't think that's the job of a sponsor. And I, again, learned it from my sponsor. So I've always had someone, I do call my food in every day to somebody else. Okay, the beauty of that is I've developed a relationship with one other person, like a daily relationship with one other person. So whatever encourages me to get out of my shell and call other people is great. So I have one person I call and then my, my regular old sponsor who I call. Um, so um, so we, I do sit down with whoever I'm sponsoring and talk about absence and plan of eating and, and all this other stuff, plan of action, which I think is a cool tool to add, um, which has just been added. Maybe now it's been a couple of years. Time flies. So um, anyway, so that's my suggestion. Get a sponsor and work the steps. And if you can't find a sponsor, find someone. I mean, there's always somebody, even if you don't like them, even if you hate them. As long as they get you through the steps, that's all that, all that counts. So um, do you guys have anything else you want to? Okay. There's one more question. You can, you can want to add that one too? Oh, sure. Matt again, compulsive overeater. Um, Joan, pushed, Joan pushed this question to me. Um, and it says, uh, as you are exposed to new tools and new approaches, how do you incorporate them into the way you sponsor? And um, um, that gives me a chance to say something that, that I forgot to say earlier. Uh, and that is, um, you know, sponsorship is a tool of the program. It's not the program. And, uh, and that's, you know, this was woven into some stuff I shared before, but I just want to be explicit about it, you know, because, uh, you know, my problem is me. The solution to my problem is the higher power that this book, this book points me to. And uh, I was just sharing with my own sponsor yesterday, we were talking about the reading on the, the, the sentence on page 29 that talks about what we share and what we share are our personal stories. And my personal story, it says here, uh, describes in my own language, from my own point of view, the way I establish my relationship with God. So that's it. That's all I have to share um, as a sponsor is how working the 12 steps 
And having that spiritual experience connected me with the power that solves my problem. Um, so any sponsee who thinks that me being available at a certain time or me answering the phone in a certain way or me working the steps with him in a certain way is the essential component of his success, you know, has made a grave mistake. Um, because I, I don't have, you know, my life is a shambles as a result of me being the problem. Um, so I don't have anybody's solution. Um, and with that, I'll answer the question by saying I, I don't have any new tools or no approaches, nor am I looking for any. You know, every tool and every approach that I need to be a sponsor is in here, um, and I don't expect to change a thing, um, because the only answer is the higher power, as we are directed to by working the steps. I, anyway. Oh, there's more questions, but I don't think I want to answer any more. I think maybe we have to wrap. Okay. What do we do? Anybody, anybody, my, my, my panel mates or anybody? Or where, go ahead, what were, you, what were your questions, Darlene? Where is it? Oh, yeah, please do. What? Okay, so the question is, how often do I have my sponsees call me? Um, like I said, I, have, I, I, I tell them I want them to call me at least once a week. They're welcome to call me every day. There's times where my sponsor, you know, when I was going through uh, hard times, like whether it's a divorce or other things, she'll say, I want you to do a 10-step every day and call me every day. So I did that. I said, I'll do it for, she said, how about 30 days? I said, I'll do it for 30 days. I think it went on for five years. Five years worth of 30 days. Um, so anyway, so sometimes people call me, I say every day. I kind of leave it up to them. And then if they, if they don't, aren't calling me on a regular basis, I'll say, how about, I'll, you know, it's like, I'm a little monkey. I say, how about you call me every day, every night, you know, and they're, they're able to do that. I can't like go over there and say, here's the phone, call me. I can't make them call me, but that's, I'll, I make myself available and it's up to them. Would you like to share? Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Carla, and I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Carla. And uh, <clears throat> it's funny that this, I just got here. Oh, you cannot hear me. There's no speakers. That's just the recording. You need to talk really loud. Uh, okay. Now you can hear me? All right. So uh, it's, it's funny that this, uh, this subject is sponsoring because <clears throat> I had experience. Uh, I was dumped by my sponsor a year ago. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I was doing everything perfect. I was like a soldier. It's true. I was, I was being a soldier. Everything she told me to do, I did. Everything. I remember tell, asking her, <clears throat> oh, you know, I, I got to do these, all these activities, and I don't have time. And he's like, well, get up earlier. And I did. So, you know, it, it came to a point that, you know, my mornings start at 4 a.m. So I could do exercise, meditation, praying, getting ready to go to work. I mean, everything. Because I wanted to do everything. And I was not, I didn't realize it, but I was not being gentle to myself. And I was doing everything, you know, she told me to do. And the, the day, it was not enough. So I start not going to bed so I could do everything. <clears throat> it come to a point that she, she tried to fire me like two, two times in three years. 
I think almost. And the first time I was so scared, I was like, please don't. You know, I didn't know. Like, oh, no, you, you helped me. So you're the only response I got. So please don't, don't fire me. I'll do more. And she was okay. Second time, I was ready. And I said, you know what? Yes. Yeah, fire me. Because I'm tired. You know, like I cannot be getting up at four so I can do all these demands. And um, I realized that God, you know, it's as I conceive it, it's loving and it's gentle. And it, it came this wonderful sponsor. Like it was very, it, she's very loving. And everything I do, she's like, man, you're doing a great job, Carla. And I'm like, huh? Really? And I mean, now I'm seeing, you know, my first sponsor gave me great structure. You know, like, you got to do calls. If not, you're going to die. And, you know, something good, you know, I got inside. You know, it was awesome. You know, I got structure. But I couldn't live like that. It was too much. And, and uh, I think it was like a kind of a boot camp, you know, to start. So I was so scared. So I was able to, like, keep going and do the steps and everything. But I'm in this point that now I need to be gentle to myself and, you know, realize that I'm doing a good job. And I asked my first sponsor, like, why are you hiring me, firing me? And she was like, you have to feel comfortable. You're the second person in 27 years that I've been fired. Everybody quit the first year. So you haven't. So it was, I take it as a compliment. So, you know, so I stick. So thank you. Okay, we're now going to close. So if we can circle up and we're going to have the OA promise.